Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. And we are open for business. Or at least we're, we really? We're getting there. We're starting to get there. We're turning the corner hoof. And we have a summer box office that is going to have some appeal, a little luster to it. I mean, it's not compared to most summer box offices, a little sparse, but you got to understand where we're coming from. So we're talking the summer of 2021. I hope this doesn't turn into be our spring of 2020 preview all over again, which as soon as it got done, got obliterated. So hopefully this holds true. We'll Fingers see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. On and we both make, hands. And got to realize, we're talking some serious need for flexibility. None of what we're going to talk about is anything even close to even wet cement, let alone dry cement. Anything and everything can move. This whole thing could become null and void. But it's looking like this is, to some degree, going to happen. This is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. We're sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. I am Dave Brooks. And I'm Joel Hoover. And we are glad to have you along for our first kind of, sort of, tentative we're hoping come on preview come on baby come on baby that we have had in quite some time on this podcast we have not had some kind of a preview podcast in quite some time but we've got a movie calendar that is starting to get a little bit more solidified at least right now and so we're going to forge ahead and talk about it accordingly as we are sponsored by the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2 just down from the airport Dave, I've been seeing the parking lot at the Bemidji Theater steadily increasing in terms of the number of cars that I'm seeing there. That has been really, really encouraging yeah. to see. It's been great seeing that attendance and turnout at the Bemidji Theater seems to be really picking up um, as people are starting to get more comfortable with going to the movies. If you're still not, you can stop on by there and fill up on concessions, and that will still be very, very helpful to the theater so stop by the Bemidji Theater on Highway 2 just down from the airport I recommend what you just said absolutely 100% because I've done it myself I'm not quite there to go to a show but that's just me uh, so but, so going to the box office and getting a ticket is one thing. Most of that money that you buy for the ticket goes back to Hollywood and doesn't really support the theater. Maybe roughly a dollar of every ticket sold stays with the theater. But you go to the snack bar, that's why a, you know, a thing of pop costs you like you know 10 bucks or whatever it is, because most of that goes to the theater. That's how you get upgrades at your local theater, like the Bemidji Theater. Uh, so I've been stopping in. I've got that big popcorn bucket that they do the deal with, and I've got a couple of those. I conveniently lose the bucket, so I have to buy it again. That really benefits them, getting an icy drink and uh, something good. Just going in for a snack and going home or whatever, that supports the theater, even if I'm not buying tickets. So I'm not uh, a fan in name only. I'm going in and making some dollars move over there, and hopefully you do too. But now we're turning the corner. It's It's coming up on Memorial Weekend as we're recording this, and that is for a long time, it was the unofficial kickoff of the summer movie season, but the last few years, who they just keep moving it up and up and up. It's almost to the point where Valentine's Day weekend is the unofficial start of the summer box office. <laughs> Those Avengers movies were coming out earlier and earlier and earlier. 
So now we're actually back to we we're kind of reset. That's not totally true. But it's, it's but like it's, two weeks it off. It feels that way. Two weeks off. So there's <laughs> a couple big movies in March. So now having it again Memorial Weekend, that's a feeling a little more normal. Yeah. Maybe middle of May, okay, but now it's Memorial Weekend. And there is a slate of some movies that are looking forward to. And again, this is all subject to change, as it probably will. But uh, we'll see how things are going to shake out. Yeah, there are a lot of titles that would have come out in 2021 that are out of the year entirely. I think it's worth prefacing that, that maybe this slate will not blow you away. Because there are there are some notable titles that are that are out there that are going to be coming along. But this slate might not blow you away when you take a look at it. And that is because a lot of 2021 films have been moved out of the year entirely. They've been slid back to 2022 even. And a lot of the the big titles are, are that are going to be in 2021, they are coming along in mid to late fall is when their timetable is set for. There's so, exceptions. There are some exceptions, yes. But there are a lot of titles that are going to be a little bit later on down the line this year, and many of which have been kicked back on multiple occasions by now, and they're hoping that a release at the end of this year is going to be a safe time to be able to release as far as, okay, we're getting to a point where vaccines have been pretty widely distributed. Hopefully by this point, people are going to be back out into the theaters, and you've got to think about the global box office as well. There are other parts of the world that are still trying to make their way through the pandemic and are in a bit of a tougher spot than where we are right now here in the U.S. So they're trying to take that into account, too, to be able to have a global box office. Yeah, there's other parts of the country that are not faring as well. In fact, Hoove and I were just, before we started recording, we're talking about the upcoming Olympics. Will there, won't there? Japan is not having a good time, and they do well with the box office. China's still struggling a bit, and they've you know kind of the center of this thing, too, and not knowing you want to bring up India, but it's it's been an issue. So the you know the U.S. at the moment we're you know ebbs and flows as far as this going. Right now we're in a bit of a valley as far as cases. Could it change? I mean, you look throughout the country and and throughout different states and different parts of the world, you're darn tootin' it could. So we'll see what happens. All of this is subject to change, and uh, I think movie going is going to be slightly different for a while. But like who've mentioned this not being a great slate for the summer. We're kind of doing sweet old grandma at the beach approach here. You don't just cannonball into the deep end. We're just kind of wading in ankles. Okay, now knees. Okay, maybe I'll feel brave and we'll go into the waist. So we're wading back into getting some movies out. And a couple of big ones that were supposed to come out in 2020 have been pushed into the summer and then they got moved again. Like Top Gun Maverick is not coming out in the summer now. Uh, but Black Widow is, you know, but it's also going to do that day and date thing where it'll be in theaters. And it'll be, in this case, on Disney+. Plus, and there will be a few others like that, so you will be able to see them. And if you're like Hoove and don't have Disney+, Plus, Hoove can come over to my house where we have Disney+. Plus. I have Disney+. Plus. Do you really? I do. All right. Yep. Can I come over and watch? No. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> it's not just about watching Hoove. It's about the camaraderie. Right. That's right. Yeah, I've watched The Mandalorian on there. That's yeah. right. Yep. So, yeah, so that's worth keeping in mind as well, is that with some of these releases, there is, again, that current reality of that dual release that you get where it's available on digital, but it's also available to go and see in theaters. What 
how will that impact things this year? What will that do for the box office? What will people do as far as streaming it? Um, that all that all is still to be decided. Uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating year watching that. Will this be a temporary thing? We have talked about that ad nauseum before. I say let's put that conversation on the back burner since we've talked about that before and talk about the slate itself because, quite frankly, I am tired of that discussion, Dave. <laughs> You've been hearing about John Krasinski saying he might not make his back end on A Quiet Place 2 because they might not make the bank at the box office and so on and so forth. So I'm with you. We'll skip really? that topic. Yep. Uh, yeah, let's, we'll, let's we'll skip, skip it. it. We'll, we've kind of touched on it. We'll touch base on it later, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, we have. So do you want to? I've got a list. You've got a list. Do you want to go off your list? Well, I, I think what we've got in front of us, and by the time that people are listening to this, maybe it will be just before this is coming out. Maybe it's just after. But you mentioned John Krasinski, who's been a part of A Quiet Place 2, which is coming along here this coming weekend from when we are talking, Memorial Day weekend, May 28th, A uh, Quiet Place Part 2 will officially be released nationwide. Is there some kind of streaming platform for it? I don't know about this one. This one is Paramount, so it might be on Paramount Plus, but I haven't. I don't really follow closely what's going to be on what streamer. I'm just right. more interested in the movie, and if I want to see it, I don't have Paramount Plus, but I'm a Star Trek fan, so maybe I'll get Paramount Plus. We'll see. The choices um, that we have to make these days. Yeah. By the way, we should probably jump out, even though we're talking about movies that are about to come out or are, haven't come out yet. There might be spoilers for things connected. For, I'm just, for example, Quiet Place 1. So there may be spoilers forthcoming. You have been forthwarned. And on that level, Quiet Place 2... Same director, John Krasinski. Boy, Jim from The Office has made a good move forward, hasn't he? You know, great superstar wife, great superstar career. So he starred in and directed the first one. Here's where the first spoiler kicks in, and he doesn't make it out of the he's first movie. He's dead! But he's back directing this one. You gotta think at some point, Krasinski's gonna wander in front of the camera. Maybe it'll be like... Flashback. The, there's a deleted scene from Terminator 2 where Michael Bean, whose character died in the first Terminator movie shows up to talk with Sarah Connor in the hospital, and it's just a dream. It's a hallucination on her part. Is Maybe Sarah there's something Connor like that here? in this. You have to protect our son, Sarah. He's oh, out there. Like that. Not, not like the uh, Arnold one. Is Sarah Connor here? Oh, Michael Bean was the good guy in the first he movie. He was. Yes, I know. So there <laughs> might be a scene like that. Obviously, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't tell you, but you got to think if he's there on set and he's directing it, you know, and he was a big part of the cast in the first movie, I mean, Leonard Nimoy wandered on front of the camera, and he had been killed off in Star Trek Three. So there you go. So we'll see what happens. But Emily Blunt is back. Uh, I got to think this is a widening of the scope, where the first movie was basically a look at one family's attempt to survive in this kind of post-apocalyptic monster world, or whatever you want to call it, with these monsters that can hear a frog fart in the wind, and they will seek you out and they'll grab you. So now you got to be extra super duper quiet. Hence a quiet place. You got to think this is going to broaden that scope a little bit. Well, that's where Cillian Murphy comes in because he's part of the cast now here for this next one. And it looks like there's some more people who are involved with it, too. Like you said, just broadening the scope out a little bit more. So, yes, so that is uh, on the way this coming weekend. Um, And again, a pretty notable flick that's going to be out in in theaters because the, the first quiet place was... A sleeper hit. I yeah, that was the phrase I was going to say, and I was I was like, can we really deem it a sleeper hit? I I would because with that cast and those people, but it did kind of sneak up on us 
no no pun intended there. Um, it, it snuck up on us as far as coming out in theaters and doing really, really well. And I went and saw it, and I was like, hey, this is good. There's, this is very good. There's something special about a movie that kind of comes out with no fanfare. It's just like, and here's another movie. But then the word of mouth, you got to see this movie. Oh, oh, yeah. that happens every so often. And A Quiet Place was one of those movies. Oh, you've got to see it. Then people go to see it. And, and there was a similar movie Sandra Bullock was in where you couldn't see the monsters. It was more about sight versus hear, you know? Yeah. Same kind of concept, but a different spin on it. It was interesting, but it didn't quite catch like A Quiet Place did. A Quiet Place was a fabulous movie, and they have had some pre-screenings on A Quiet Place 2. That was Bird Box, by the way. Bird Box, that's right. An unfortunately titled movie, but okay. Like The Crazies. Great movie. Eh, title. But uh, the, the early buzz on this one is really, really good. It's already got a lot of Metacritic scores like Rotten Tomatoes, 80-some percent. Uh, that's pretty good, and most people haven't seen it yet. So this is a good buzz for the second one. We'll see what happens. Also, this coming weekend, uh, we've got... Have you seen a trailer or two or, or a commercial or two for this, Dave? Because yep. I just saw them pop up for Cruella coming up this weekend. I was not aware that there was that this movie was on the way until recently i i knew of it it's not really in my wheelhouse but i'm aware of all things uh cruella, uh, cruella deville of course the bad girl from 101 dalmatians and they had done the live action of that back in the 90s and glenn close took the role and she just chewed up the scenery and knocked it out of the park and did a sequel to that now you've got emma stone oscar winner She's Emma gonna, Stone! Yeah. I mean, look at this! Yeah. Or you can't look at this. This is a podcast. <laughs> Follow along online, my friends. Google it. Google it. Just Google Cruella. Oh, she's going to vamp it up. But one thing, parents, be aware this is a PG 13 rated movie. So the littlest kids, I don't think this is going to have anything to do with the dogs. I think this is more about the character. So I don't know if this takes place before or after the Dalmatian fiasco, but it sounds like. There's a rivalry between her and somebody else now. Emma Stone vamping it up and chewing the scenery. This is going to be a fun movie to watch. But again, the PG-13 rating tells me this might be more of a teenager-esque. Are you trying to say that we might end up rooting for Cruella DeVille in this movie? I can't say. I don't. That's a good possibility. If she she's might be going up against somebody, like, are we really going to root for her in this? Well, did you root for the Joker in Suicide Squad? Or not Suicide Squad. Uh, uh, yeah, it was Suicide Squad, wasn't it? You know what's funny? I haven't seen Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Are you rooting for Harley Quinn? How about that? She's the bad girl. You know, kind of, yeah. And and Birds of Prey, yeah. So is Cruella DeVille going to be the anti-hero? You Do you root for Maleficent her? and Maleficent? I don't know. Uh, you rooted for her against, with the dogs, or against her with the dogs, and now maybe you root for her. I don't know. But it could be an interesting one. It's a Disney one, of course, and I think pretty soon... I don't follow the slate between when it's coming out on streaming and so forth, if it's the same day or it's got a week or two or whatever, but likely it'll show up on Disney Plus sooner than later, like Milan and others have done, so be aware. Uh, but Cruella, it's PG-13, so parents, it's not necessarily for the littlest of kids, but we'll see. I got to think that doesn't mean, you know, we're not talking extreme nudity. It's probably more like adult situations and jokes that are suitable for older ears. Kind this of thing. Is, this is Disney too. That's that's like a whoa kind of kind of moment there. Seeing that it was PG thirteen like that, I was like, this is Disney producing this, right? I had to kind of do a double Marvel take movies. and a double check and look into that. But yeah, yeah, it 
with Marvel movies, I, I suppose there's a little bit of a, a precedent there. Although fairly recent, because it was fairly recent that Marvel came under the Disney umbrella. Well, it's even, you know, being as that it's based off of earlier stuff, they've been obviously doing this for a while with The Lion King and Mulan and so forth. Those were all PG, and uh, I'm pretty sure they were all PG. And now we've got something that's just a notch up. Maybe it's Disney trying to reach to something a little broader while they're not doing a straight-up remake, which was, well, they did like four remakes in a year, live-action remakes. At least this is kind of yeah. a spinoff, so you're not, you don't have to stick to the Bible, so to speak, of what the show is. You can kind of expand beyond those pages a little bit, something like that. Keep it fresh, hopefully, through that. I got a dollar says at somewhere during the movie there will be a Dalmatian in the background or something, a little nod, wink. As to, an Easter egg a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Or maybe you learn a little bit where that whole thing came from if this is a pre-101 Dalmatians kind of story. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Unless they're trying to redeem her in some way with her character. Who's to say? Who knows? Um, okay, let's get into June then, Dave. Is, is that where you're going next? Oh, I think that's next because you pretty much have Memorial Weekend, and that's it for May. That kicks off yeah. the summer, and so you cross over to June. The first I've got on my list, it's coming out that first weekend in June the 4th, um, The Conjuring. Conjuring 3, you could call it. The Devil Made Me Do It, they're calling it. This is one that was supposed to come out this last fall, and it got pushed for COVID okay. reasons. So here we go. This is, I think it's like the seventh or eighth movie in the Conjuring franchise, it's the third Conjuring movie, but you got to remember all the spinoffs, Annabelle and The Nun and all of those, and the sequels They're to all those, tied in. They're yeah. all tied in together. Which I don't ever remember until I read it somewhere, that like this is related to The Conjuring, or you see who the producers are, and then yeah. it comes from the producers of The Conjuring, and it's like, oh, this is part of the general world of so, this. It, what a sick, twisted world. I haven't, well, if, to go back to the beginning, Ed and Estelle Warren are were, back in the day, and I don't really believe, I, I don't say I don't believe in ghosts and things, but I don't really believe them. They were involved in things like the Amityville Horror and uh, the real life version of that, so to speak. Not the shooting that happened at the house, but the alleged ghost incident, which I don't believe. Uh, I think they were involved in, in hyping it up, but that's my own controversial opinion, but it made for some darn good movies. The first Conjuring is one of the scariest movies I think I ever saw. Uh, the second one was pretty good, too. So they're based on alleged true cases that they had followed, and so this is another one about a guy that, you know, it shoots somebody, and they find him wandering in the back roads. What are you doing? And they you just shot somebody. Well, the devil made me do it. Is it true? Was he possessed? Is it the first time, allegedly, that a possession was brought into a courtroom. Well, this guy's innocent by reason not of insanity, but of demonic possession. What? And so that's what this is based on, allegedly. 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 <laughs> it just makes for a good story. You know, Fargo is supposed to be based on true events. It's not. But it made for a great movie. So we'll see how this one goes. The first two Conjuring movies, pretty good. The spinoffs are hit and miss. Not as good, but uh, Conjuring 3 lives up to 1 and 2. This could be good. I have not seen the first one, but people who did, I remember when people went, and they were utterly terrified when they went and saw it. I mean, that it got my brother a, a few times, and he is not one to really be gotten by movies like that as far as like make you jump, freak you out a bit. He was like, it was scary. So uh, I heard... Pretty pretty big things about about the very first one. I'm yeah. I'm I've got very good praise for the main Conjuring movies one and two. They're very good. I've seen most of the spinoffs. Eh, 
they're not horrible. You could certainly do a lot worse. You could certainly do better. But that's spinoffs. And not one of them is totally, you know, wet the bed. So they're decent enough to watch. You're, you're going to be fairly safe if you pick up any of the Conjuring movies or the spinoff. You got the main cast back that have been in each of the movies, you know, the, the Warrens. You've got uh, Patrick Wilson is back and Vera Farmiga. Uh, they're back. This could be very good. Um, and again, this was supposed to be out last fall, six months ago or so. They, if any tweaks needed to be done, fit, save it in the edit or whatever, they've had the time to do it. It should be good. I'm hoping uh, for positive things. And sometimes it's the third one that wets the bed, so we'll see if this jumps that <laughs> or not. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic. I like the optimism, though, the, just of, of the idea working. I mean, they have, they have at the very least been able to carve out another, another horror niche that enough people have, have gone to see and and stay connected with which seems like it's it's getting harder and harder to do in the horror genre as far as finding something that's new and original and being able to run with it and make it work but but they've at least been able to do it and do it with pretty good movies too because sometimes there are there are those in the horror franchise that find a little corner where they will get people to come out and see it but they won't exactly be the most well received movies Saw, I'm looking at you, um, just as one example. But but they've seemed to be able to do it and be able to have movies that are at least appreciated somewhat, too. Well, even, even more so than that, they've managed to effectively create a dark universe. Uh, you know, they're all interconnected, but they're not all sequels to one another necessarily. And even the Conjuring movies are almost bottle movies, which means you don't need to see part one to understand part two, to understand part three, and so forth. Uh, the spinoffs, Annabelle and The Nun and all, yeah, it, it helps to see the conjuring that those movies kind of came from to spin into the next one. But, you know, Universal tried to do a whole MCU with The Mummy and Dracula, and it sunk on the first attempt. Oh, my gosh. They barely got it off the dock before the USS Dark oh, Universe sank right the, there the dark with the Tom Cruise Mummy movie. And everything else just, okay, we're done. The Conjuring just made a darn good movie, and then they went from there, and it worked. They just focused one step at a time. I don't think I think they knew that all these stories that the Warrens had done. Well, we got all these movies we could do. Okay, well, let's do the first one. Let's do it right. Then we'll go from there. And that's exactly what they did. And cheers to them. Keep going. Next Keep going. weekend, I've got one from the following weekend, June 11th. Sure. Do you? Uh, I'm looking right now. I'm looking at a couple of them actually, but the uh, one of them that I would say I think comes out that weekend is In the Heights. Is that the one? That's you're looking the at? one. Yeah, that's an interesting mix of people who are involved. In that, so this is based on a Tony Award-winning Broadway musical from Lin Manuel Miranda, he of yep. Hamilton fame, and he's involved with with this project then too. The director is John M. Chu from Crazy Rich Asians, so that's quite a quite a combo when you put them together um, and, and put this this story together. Which apparently this is about um, a neighborhood in New York, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, Washington Heights in New York City. And uh, a Dominican-American neighborhood that's in that area is what it looks like this is based around. Um, And it is, again, a musical and a pretty lively musical as well. Somebody just asked me, whatever happened to musicals? And I said, they're actually coming back. Had COVID Funny not, enough, yeah. Had COVID not happened, West Side Story by Steven Spielberg was supposed to come out around this last Christmas of 2020, and it didn't. It's being held back for this year, and I'm already seeing teasers for it. So it, is it just going to be a, a blip on the radar, or is it going to be a start of another trend? 
so far between say like Mamma Mia, which may have you know primed the pump a little bit with uh, <laughs> with uh, Meryl Streep and Pierce Brosnan, maybe maybe. So In the Heights is definitely there's a buzz for it. There's West Side Story remake with Spielberg. There's buzz for that. Musicals maybe on the comeback. Hoove is a happy guy. Well. I, I think Hamilton played a pretty big role oh, yeah. in that oh, yeah. as well because that was just a but that was sensation. on stage. That's it, different. It was, and yet they even translated that into a film, yeah. a, a film look at it too, and and a film release that came with it. And people still ate that up. I mean, oh yeah, Hamilton was was a sensation on screen and on well on stage for starters, and then on screen too. So it seems like they are really capitalizing on. That success as well with with bringing something like In the Heights to theaters, and it is go- also going to be released uh, same day as well. HBO Max has got that one there, but theaters, theaters is where our focus is here, and In the Heights is coming along on June 11th. Some pretty impressive personnel. They've also brought some people in from the Broadway adaptation of it who are going to be a part of the the theater release of it too. So That'll happen a lot. They've done it with Rent when they did the, the film version of that. Um, if they ever make like a... Music Man, even going back to that, Robert Preston yeah. going from being on the stage to in the film version of it as well, which he, he makes the Harold Hill character really, really oh, yeah. pop out. There's a lot of shows that you just don't really think about that started on stage, whether it's a musical or a play. Like A Few Good Men, that was a play. That you know, jump to the big screen, and then really? they got oh yeah, then huh. they got a big cast, and that's where you know that's where Sorkin, in a lot of ways, got his start. So I mean, and of course, they didn't have Jack Nicholson in the play; they got a much bigger cast for the movie. But that was a play. I mean, if you look at it, it's only it's kind of set up like a play, you know, mostly in the courtroom and other stuff. It's not everywhere. So all right, so in the Heights, that's coming along in early June as well. If you've been, if you're a fan of Hamilton. That is one for you to circle on the calendar, no doubt about it. Unless you've got a different one. The next one I've got on my radar comes out on the 16th. Yeah, that's The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is The Hitman's Bodyguard 2, you could call it. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, I got you good on that one, didn't I, Dave? No, I'm getting over a cold. (laughs) I I know, I know. But... um, I like to think I got you good on that. You got one, me so good. Yeah. Electric right. Boogaloo. Yeah, the hitman's wife's bodyguard. That's a yeah, a lot of a lot of uh possessive nouns in there. Yeah. Well, hitman's wife's bodyguard. Well, you got, you know, look at Ryan Reynolds. He gets huge marks for Deadpool. And then he's got these other movies that come out that are kind of hit and miss like uh um what was the RIPD that people oh, thought might yeah. be really fun and witty. Oh no, it was bad. Well, then comes the hitman's bodyguard. He and Samuel L. Jackson, where they're competing hitmen, but one of them's targeted. So now the competing hitman is trying to protect him. And it worked. It was just great to get a team up with those guys. Uh, the language is pretty strong, but it was really fun. It was a great movie. So now we're going to see if we can get that same chemistry and throw Salma Hayek in there and really make it work. So could they capture lightning in a bottle twice? I mean, when you get Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, these guys crackle off of one another, and they crack up everybody in the vicinity. And Selma Hayek, don't underestimate her. She's a beautiful face, but she's got a heck of a lot of talent, uh, whether it's comedy or, I mean, Frida, she was up for an Oscar for that. And I think she would definitely settle very well and play off of both of those guys. Her career has had an interesting trajectory yeah. because it seems like she her name was really out there back in the 90s. Like her name was really really out there back in the late 90s and then early 2000s and now 
a little bit more under the radar, at least until recently. Uh, she selects her projects. You know, I'll, okay. I, I, oh, okay. I mean this in the best possible way, but she comes out and she's another beautiful face. She, you know, she's in that realm as Pamela Anderson. And then you find out Pamela Anderson is just pretty and can't really act. Then there's Selma Hayek. She's a really good actress. So not only is she beautiful to look at, she gets you with the second punch. You know, she's beautiful and she's talented and she's really good. So whether it's dramatic role, she was up for an Oscar Best Actress for Frida, I think was the name of the role, where she made herself kind of ugly for the role, they say. Um, and it, it almost worked. She's done great movies. She showed up in an unfortunate Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but did a great job. Um, and her husband, uh, Javier Bardem, you know, who we love. So maybe they're doing some acting together and practicing. And uh, she's great. She's really good. I don't want to make it a Selma Hayek episode, but uh, she could really, really add to this. I think this movie is going to be hit or miss. This is one of those where we captured lightning. Will it be Speed 2? Or will it be The Conjuring 2? You know what I mean? Yeah, they've also they, they've got quite a cast. You mentioned Ryan Reynolds. You mentioned Samuel L. Jackson. You mentioned Selma Hayek. They also have Antonio Banderas, and they have Morgan Freeman in <laughs> it as well. Where did this come from? So Morgan Freeman will show up in a lot of movies, and they don't always have to be good. Right. The Hitman's, body, uh, the hitman's Wife's bodyguard now you got it yeah we're we're piecing it all together that's coming out actually middle of the week june 16th on a wednesday uh is when that's going to be getting a full release well the same day you've got the next dreamworks movie and not only or a pixar i meant to say pixar so i mean pixar has hit it out of the park and we on this podcast have said it would be really nice if pixar could come up with something other than cars 8 and you know another sequel to a you know ongoing thing Toy Story 4 was its own thing, I say. Well, now they've got a couple of other brand new creative ones that are just spectacular. I'm, I'm having a memory blank. What was that one about the Mexican underworld? The Oh, that was a great movie. I'm trying to remember the Coco. name of it. Yeah, great movie. Loved it. Even I was kind of teary at the end of it. Well, now you can't count these guys out. So now they have Luca, which is coming out. Uh, that'll be out the same day, middle of June on the 16th, I think it is. Disney Pixar. That's almost a combination that they have to try hard to do wrong. So this could be a really, really good one. Um, we'll see if it follows in those footsteps. It's it, totally original as far as I know. It By all appearances, it looks like it has an Italian setting yep. that it has to it. And even they have... Um, they have an Italian storyboard artist who's who's come on board and is doing this for them. So that's even um, the voice cast, and it looks like it's got its own kind of unique look to it. As a result, that it's not it's not fully Pixar as we've known it, animation wise. Um, in the past, they're they're starting to. It appears with some of the most recent projects that they done that they've done with Pixar, they're starting to give each one its own little bit of a different kind of feel. And that's that's kind of cool in and of itself from a visual standpoint that you are getting a different look with each Pixar movie out of the Pixar template that we've known from before. And I'll give a lot of kudos to Disney for widening the scope a little bit. It's not just a money grab. Whether, I mean, in the most recent one, Soul, which was on Disney Plus, ever, and I've not seen it yet. Uh, we we keep trying to, and every something comes up with a kiddo. I don't want to go something he cries or whatever. We don't see it, but everybody that has seen it loves it and it is not a sequel it's very original it was up for oscars it was it was a great show and uh so if luca can follow in those footsteps disney is starting to step out from behind sequel mania and remake mania at least just enough oh they needed to they, they need they to so and desperately it's working needed to. it's working it's paying off for them so you gotta go with that 
Speaking of sequels that didn't work, Cars 2. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of another kids movie that's a sequel that comes out more or less that same week, it comes out just a couple days later on the 18th of June, Peter Rabbit 2. That's the right. The Runaway. The Runaway. <laughs> So if you don't know Peter Rabbit, of course, it's a great children's story. And the first movie came out and was spectacular. People, it was another one of those that just yeah. caught on. Um, you got James Corden doing the voice, and he's kind of caught on with the late night TV and carpool karaoke. He's a lovable guy. Well, let's make him a chubby bunny. And so they did, and it worked. And so, again, this one could be, is this going to go the route of Cars 2? It's got a great voice do- cast. Yeah, it really does. Um, we'll see if it's going to be... A worthwhile sequel? Do they do it just to do it, or do they have something to say? This will tell the tale. Peter Rabbit apparently heads to the city in this one, is where he's off to next for his latest adventure. But yeah, the concept worked really well last time around. Again, it's it's sequel fodder. Will we get something really good that comes from it in terms of story, or is this just to make your money off a certain demographic that you're trying to hit, a.k.a. the kids? So here's another one that just came up. There's two that are going to be kind of Netflix movies. And so we're starting to broaden the horizon just a tiny tad. So I think we need to touch base on them. Uh, Some might be reaching theaters, big screen, and others may not. But I got to touch base with Fatherhood, Kevin Hart. And in particular, Good on Paper, which looks to be a really good romantic comedy. And they don't really make those. They were making those a dime a dozen not that long ago. And then they just kind of stopped making rom-coms. Right. Well, I think they realized, look, we can't just churn these things out like Ben and Jerry's. We need to make something, you know, doable. They can't all be a takeoff sleepless in Seattle. So good on paper is a great, these gals need to find the right guy. He's wonderful, but there's something wrong about this guy. We got to figure out what it is. He's, is he totally lying about these things that make him wonderful? It looks pretty darn good, and you got a pretty good cast. You've got Ryan Hansen, Margaret Cho, who was a big comedian back in the 90s, 2000s. She's kind of dropped off the radar, but this could be a big comeback for her. Um, so it's worth checking out. That'll be on Netflix. It might find its way to a theatrical release. Um, I don't really know, but that leads us up to one of the big ones. Yes, a huge one that's coming up at the end of June worldwide it's going to be huge i am done with this franchise i have been done with this is it another pirates of the caribbean is that what you're going to is that what it is it might as well be oh i'll let you say i'm giving you the giving you the opening here you get to pull the curtain mr wizard it simply is going by f9 is the that Fast the new and the Furious. Jet? Is that what they're calling Top Gun F9? Tom Cruise on the F9? They might as well be making the car into a fighter jet. That's what they have <laughs> these days. They, they literally have the cars flying off the edge of cliffs these days. That doesn't in, usually work. In well. all of its CGI glory. That doesn't work well for the cars generally, right? You saw the Dukes of Hazzard every not. time the General Lee would stick a landing, there went the axle. I think driving off the Grand Canyon is bad for the cars. We will we will look back and wonder what the Fast and Furious jump the shark moment was. I mean, you could you could pick I think from a lot of different things. They they brought back when sadly the uh, the passing of Paul Walker brought back um a lot of interest and intrigue in in Fast and Furious in and they did it very well with his goodbye and with that movie and everything and and how sad it was just there in general knowing about the the circumstances surrounding the movie. They did that very well. And yet this franchise just continues to churn along. You've got the drama in and around who's a part of it. 
uh, with Vin Diesel versus The Rock and all that came with that. Um, you've got Tyrese angry at everybody um, about everybody not liking each other, and he's not happy about it and all of these things. Um, he's usually he's usually got something to say about it. But anyway, all that to say, we've got F9 coming out here at the end of June. Is this the last one? I think it's the last one. It's hard to know if it's the last one. They're bringing Han back. I don't know how they're bringing Han back, but they're bringing Han back. They're they're bending they're bending the rules here. You you brought up the term "jump the shark." I think the Fast and the Furious franchise is going to have a, a double jumping of the shark. They've a jumped, double well, jumping of the they've shark. jumped the shark as far as reality goes. Go watch the first Fast and the Furious, and then go watch some of the newer ones. It used to actually be about cars and about racing a little bit. It almost looks more like a back alley street crossed with Star Wars. It's just a little almost sci-fi now. It's just a little out there yeah. as far as believability, but it's a fun popcorn movie. But at some point, that bubble is going to burst, and I just can't watch these anymore. They're just not realistic. I jumped the shark myself after the first one. It was, eh, I didn't think it was all that special. It was, it was a lot of candy and not much steak, you know? Uh, everything after that, Tokyo Drift, come on. They managed to revive it. They managed to make it work. Um, but I've, I'm, 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 I'm personally already of off Tokyo board. Drift I liked. I'm off board. I'm done. But that's just me. You know, I like things that other people don't like, and that's okay too. Well, so, they've made it into a certain kind of heist movie over yeah. and over again. Is is the direction that they've gone with it? But it's they it, took a page from the Italian job, and so we're going to make it look real flashy with the cars. Oh, and we'll have a burglary plot in there too. But it's rarely about really thinking it through and making it really intricate and really creative, like say an Ocean's Eleven movie in cars. It's not as creative. It's just really flashy. So it's a lot of substance, less style. And there's already pushback where you get that one movie where the car jumped from one uh, tall high-rise to another tall high-rise. Just the physics behind it, it was unbelievable to look at, even with CGI to help. Uh, and so there's a pushback on that. It's got to be at least some degree believable. You know, sci-fi, or CGI rather, you can't just do something because you can. Go back to Ian Malcolm and Jurassic Park. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. <laughs> that so, is it's got to be believable oh man that is still a line that is very applicable in many different places and in many different respects um thank you ian malcolm yeah somehow they are bringing han back even though he died in in some of the earlier movies and here he is he's showing up and they're not even they are not even being coy about it they're they're just flat out like here han, he is, folks th- that's what Wait, they did what? yeah before the pandemic when when we were expecting this movie to be released last year there were literally ads and and trailers saying han is back and i was like this He's is dead this is, this is ridiculous i mean they're not even being coy about it anymore is han part jason is that what it is they can blow him up and mail his head to guadalajara and he still comes back Boy, the parallel that you're making here between F9 or Fast and Furious and a horror movie franchise is it actually kind of works. Hey, they're yeah. just as much tag team partners when it comes to the realm of reality. So anyway, uh, that is on the way one to, at the end of June. Another one to touch base on again. We're really putting the emphasis on what's coming to the big screen. This next one also is a streamer. It's on Netflix. Might make the big screen. Liam Neeson, he says it's going to be his last action role. Really? The Ice Road. And here's a guy that's a really well-known actor, but he kind of found a little niche to get into these action movies, starting with Taken, and it kind of went from there. And this was, you know, the first Taken was another one like the like A Quiet Place. Eh, 
But then people saw it and they're like, you got to see this movie. This is good. And here, Liam Neeson at the time was like 50 some and he could do it and still bring it. And he's a tall Irish pasty guy and he not exactly what you'd call an action star, but it worked. So here we have the ice road, um, worth checking out, could be interesting. And allegedly his last action role. So is he going to stay in acting? He's just not going to be in quite as many action flicks? Is that what it is? Well, or, or the demand that comes with that? Liam Neeson's a great actor. I mean, he before Daniel Day-Lewis took the role, he was going to be Abe Lincoln when Spielberg did his role. Yes, I, I remember that. what happened, but it didn't work out, and Neeson stepped out of the project, and Daniel Day-Lewis stepped in and did a great job. But he's a very good actor. He's been up for Academy Awards. I don't like his American accent when he does it. You can tell he's not American. You know, he's Irish. Um, but he's a great actor. He's a very good actor. And so he could make anything work, quite honestly. If you're going to get an unbelievable type guy as a, as a secret bodyguard in, in Taken, by the time it was ba- Taken 3, bad parenting. But there are some people who have just carved out a niche in yeah. being in the, the action realm. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Keanu Reeves yeah. find a place in that here recently with, with John Wick, especially, well, especially John Wick, that, and yeah. Yeah, The Matrix too. But you, you see some people who really just drift into that action realm, and then their, their career kind of revolves around that a little bit. Liam Neeson. Nicolas Cage did it. Yeah. Yes. Liam Neeson is, I think, a surprising person in that that kind of role you wouldn't maybe maybe to see him or maybe to see some of his earlier stuff you wouldn't necessarily pin him as the guy who would be in that but he has found it and it worked and taken especially was where that worked out so if you missed it see the gray that's another good one Liam Neeson versus a pack of wolves and it's awesome how do you feel about that ending I liked it you did I like that it's kind of ambiguous and there's a real quick behind after the trailers. You know, it lasts, I know like, there were a lot of people who were like, what? Yeah. Well, what? I mean, what, the, uh, what was it? Hitchcock said the scariest thing isn't the bang of the gun. It's the anticipation of the bang going off. And you got it built up in your mind what it's going to be. doesn't matter what they show you. It will never live up to what you want it to be. So in your mind, and there's like a three-second post-credit sequence that itself is ambiguous, but basically it gives the impression Liam Neeson won and he beat that last wolf, and you see the last breath of wolf come or breath come out of the wolf with Liam Neeson laying on the wolf. It looks like he beat the wolf. Now, if they do the gray two, come on. Speaking of franchises that have continued on here, Dave. Yes, we've got another one in early July that may be on its last legs. It might be <laughs> on its last legs. We don't know for certain. We're it, we're back in more of the horror realm, okay. Kind of thriller realm, kind of. The Forever Purge, okay, is hitting our screens in early July. Is the Purge series coming to an end? It's hard to tell. Yeah, I think it was a really, I think it was a really cool concept. Each one is a step down into the basement. It's not as good as the one before. So unless they're going to do like what was it fast? And what furious? were we just saying about horror uh, horror films and that and that idea earlier? Yeah, Same but even more thing. so, unless they're going to come up with like a revitalization like the Fast and the Furious franchise did, I don't see it working out. They're going to have to find a way to make it different, and uh, we'll see what happens. They're already doing the prequel version now, so that's usually the last gasp. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they they went the prequel route with the most recent one. I think we've got. We've got some like extreme version of the purge concept that I think is coming along with with what this one 
is going to be. But that is July 2nd that that one is on the way. Same weekend, and I don't know a lot about it, but I know there's a lot of folks looking forward to it, the Tomorrow War. You have Chris Pratt in there. This is Paramount. Uh, obviously, it'll probably come out on Paramount+, Plus, but it will be out in theaters uh, Chris Pratt going to be in the middle of this one. I'm seeing Simmons. Amazon for this one. Is it Amazon? That's what I'm seeing for Okay. It. Yeah. Well, it's also, I see Paramount also and Skydance, and so that's, well, and we'll see what it's going to come out in a streamer. They might have a deal with Amazon, so it comes out on Amazon Prime, but you know, Paramount will release it theatrically. I don't know. I don't care. Um, but there's a lot of talk around it. I'm not fully up on what the plot is, but I know that there's some buzz around it, so... I will say just be aware of it. Keep it on your radar. And I think the closer we get to 4th of July weekend, you'll start seeing some more trailers popping up on TV, and I don't know what to think about it. Yeah, it's Chris Pratt. Yvonne Strahovski is in it as well, and J.K. Simmons. It looks like it's a time travel kind of movie and and concept. The Tomorrow War gives it away. Another kid's happy sequel. My son would love this. Boss Baby, Family Business. Alec Baldwin is back doing the voice. The first movie is a hoot. It really is. There's a Netflix TV series based on the show, on the movie, that's actually really good. My kid loves it. So Boss Baby 2, Family Business. Yeah, we might we might make that one. That, that one, one looks good. That one has been moved back to September. Oh, has it? It has. On yes, my I'm- sheet, I still have July. Set. Well, like we said, all this stuff is not set in cement. For all we know, they moved it this morning. So Wait a second. I'm seeing September 17th here at one spot. Now I'm seeing July 2nd at another spot. See? Which one is it? Uh, you know, like we said, huh. we're telling you what we've got on our list. All of these, I believe we said up front, are subject to change. I think um, I think the July 2nd one is looking like that's, that's the one. Because, again, I, I saw September 17th in another spot, and I was like, Wait a minute. But- See, for the last while, Hoove and I had talked behind the scenes. Well, let's do a preview for such and such season. I said, why? They're moving these movies like they were checks mix. I mean, it just, there's no point. Now it's they're starting to stick, but there's still a lot of moving around. So it's, right. it's hard. It's like trying to nail jello to the wall. How do you do it? Boss Baby worked extremely well with the original one. Yeah, so much so that, shocker. They're going with a sequel to see if they can uh, recapture the magic again. Because- They've already done the series, and Alec Baldwin yeah. doesn't do the character in the in the series, but it's a great show. I've watched every episode about five times because my kid watches it. <laughs> and I will tell you, they are funny. They are good. And if they're going to carry that over onto the big screen with Alec Baldwin, yeah. And so it works across a wide age spectrum, too, in terms of yes. adults can appreciate it, oh, yeah. kids can appreciate it. In some ways, it's like um, Shrek. You get adults and kids laughing at the same parts but for totally different reasons funny okay it's it's a it's a well worn worth checking out so don't miss that out so here's another one that's going to be kind of interesting fear street 1994 this is going to be one that uh i don't know if it's going to make the big screen or not it's kind of i think it's by the same uh author that had done the goosebumps series and they're trying to come up with something a little more maybe teen oriented it's worth keeping your eyes open for especially if you get you need a little Halloween fix in the middle of your summer, and sometimes, weirdly enough, I do too. So Fear Street might be worth checking out. And like I said, I think this is right now scheduled just for Netflix, but there is talk it could get a release on screen, so be aware. Fear Street Part 1, 1994. There's a three-part anthology, by the way, that'll be coming out over a while, so keep your eye on that. And like I said, it might make the big screen. Okay. July 9th, Black Widow. Finally. Yes. Black Widow is finally here. We have been waiting for this one for like a year and a half is I think how long it's been now that that has been 
kick back. Black Widow, as well as I think No Time to Die, the James, the the most, the newest James Bond movie. They were two maybe the of the biggest casualties. They were, of this. yeah, maybe the biggest casualties from last year, as far as they got kicked back again and again and again and again, trying to get them out onto the screen. And finally, they just said, "All right, we're going to try to release them when there's a chance for a very wide release." Wonder Woman 1984 decided to just try to move ahead anyway around the holiday season here this past year. Well, it was largely used to launch HBO Max. It was. So you get HBO Max, you could see this movie in the comfort of your own home for no additional charge, but you can't do that again because it's already released and it's launched and all these streamers are going. Right. Now, Now, Black Widow is going to be a hybrid release. It will be in theaters. It will also be on Disney+. Plus. I don't think we're going to have the whole Mulan fiasco again as far as you have to pay a little bit extra for it. It's just going to be part of part of Disney Plus, I think. I think so too. Right? I'm not sure. But here's Hopefully they learn their lesson. Anyway. Here's what we got to remind you. Spoiler alert, we talked about at the beginning of the mo- of the episode here, so we're going to be talking a couple spoilers here. So heads up if you haven't seen all the Avengers movies, most likely Endgame. Um 3 2 1 She's dead. Yeah. Maybe. So, well, maybe Han came back. Could, maybe. could Black Widow come back? And this is a sequel where Black Widow Resurrection. If Han can come back, anything is possible. I don't. Especially in the Marvel realm. I don't think it's going to happen because, reminder of that spoiler alert, Robert Downey Jr. died too. He's or at least Tony dead. Stark died. So, yeah. so the, both actors, you know, Scarlett Johansson and, and Robert Downey Jr. said, I'm about ready to let this character go. So not saying they will never come back, but I don't want to be doing they've done this for 10 years now. They want to move on to other things. So I think not only was Avengers Endgame likely Robert Downey Jr.'s swan song as Tony Stark, his I think Endgame. The one thing you knew was coming is that why are all these guys getting standalone movies but not Black Widow? She's a great character. Scarlett Johansson nails the role. Give it to her before she's 50. You don't want to see her doing the thing of Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones at 80 some years old, which oh she's gosh. about to do. Um, so they finally did it, but I have to imagine it's a, some sort of a prequel standalone prior to the events of Endgame because Scarlet doesn't or Black Widow doesn't make it to the end of Endgame. That's why she's not at the funeral scene. Well, but kind of. why would you just arbitrarily throw in a pre kind of story like that? Marvel is not about that. There's going to be some kind of tie in here, some kind of link that's going to be significant, not just for. The now and what came before, but I think for what's to come too. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's as simple as that. It possibly could be, but Scarlett Johansson has also said, "I'm not saying no, but I am saying I want to move on to other things." So I don't see her being a major part of any other Avengers something something going forward. They could still bring her character. She back, certainly though. could. So in some way, she they certainly could. They could for storytelling purposes. Find a way. But with a couple of exceptions, I mean, I think they've always left the door open for anything as possible. But, I mean, with the exception of Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy, everyone largely kind of of the main core original Avengers cast kind of got rode out in a lot of ways so that they can come back. But it's really designed for that, you know, Avengers 2.0 to move forward. You know, Tony Stark, Black Widow, Captain America, they've all kind of reached the end of their journey and they're done. They can come back but probably not really going to. At least they're not going to have the weight on their shoulders like they have. Correct. So Thor, that's another story. He's out with the Guardians. They're getting ready for Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. They're doing another Thor movie. 
So they're not done with those guys. Not quite yet. Not quite. But you yeah. got you know the Winter Soldier and Hawk. You've got or the Falcon rather. You've got all these guys moving forward. We're getting there. We are. We're getting there too, as far as going through the calendar. Let's yes. let's move on to the next week, July sixteenth. Another sequel, but a big and I I believe one. I believe I know where you're going. I believe it was ill advised. I leave leave the original. Don't try to follow up. But LeBron James cannot help himself when it comes to going up against anything related to Michael Jordan's legacy. I am the goat. Space Jam, a new legacy is on the way. We've got new animation. We've got a new style story. We've got the Toon Squad coming back, though. And this time it's LeBron James instead of Michael Jordan following up in his footsteps with a Space Jam movie. And you can't even say it's LeBron James's feature film debut. He's made some cameos and some other things, but... Uh, this could be an interesting one. I his, think- his media company is strongly tied in with this and, yes. and with making this whole vehicle go. They really pushed <sighs> this to happen in the first place, but yeah, they did. you can't say there isn't a hunger for it. The first movie, I saw it, I liked it, but when I first heard it was coming, when it, before it had come out, I was like, what? No, this That's is a, stupid. I love listen, Looney Tunes. Space but- Jam, the original one, was a cult hit. It, it, it's been a cult hit. Since it came out and and carrying on, it worked. It uh, was a great movie for what it was. So can they do it again? I think the potential is there, but I also think that oh, I don't know. Something's getting a little too serious for their own britches. Like we're not going to have Pepe Le Pew because of the Me Too movement. It's a cartoon character. You know, it's kind of funny. We make jokes about that. At the house, trying to explain to my son what a skunk is. Okay, I get it, but it is what it was, and so I don't know. It's this. This is going to be a hit or miss. It's either going to be Conjuring Two or Speed Two. Well, I feel like we've said that a we've lot. We've said that a few times, but we found today. a good yeah. metaphor. Yeah, Let's stick to it, Bubba. Theaters and HBO Max, of course. All right, moving on. Next one. Uh, I'm going down my list here. I'm going to kind of go it as we go. There's a couple that are going to be popping up again. Uh, more of those uh, Fear Street things we talked about. There'll be three of them over the course of the summer. Hotel Transylvania. This is one I think is done. I think it's probably already done. They've they've taken it about as far as they can. No, because there's one more coming. Transform Transformania is what it is, which leads me to think that's like a Transformers hybrid with vampires and. Adam Sandler comedies, I'm I'm a fan to a point, and I've I've kind of let them go, but this is one of those where I I don't know. It just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. If your kids love it, great, but for me, I'm out. Yeah, it, it's really piloted its way along here um, for quite a long time. Let's yeah. skip ahead to the next one that might be getting a, kind of a revival, kind of like the Fast and the Furious did. And this one's got some potential here. If they can do it right, they have screwed up the G.I. Joe movies so many times now. And I'm not talking the cartoon ones. I mean like the live action ones. Not one of them has really been good at all. But now they're kind of going into the origins like they were going to do with the X-Men movies for all these different characters. And they really only did it with Wolverine. Well, now they're going to do it with the ninja character of Snake Eyes, who is a big part of G.I. Joe. Is probably one of the coolest characters, at least when I was a kid growing up. And G.I. Joe is just action figures in a cartoon series. 
Snake Eyes was awesome, and this one has got some distinct potential for Snake Eyes to really step up. And if it does, then G.I. Joe revitalizing as, as a whole crew, I could see something happening so long as it's done correctly. Yeah, because the G.I. Joe concept I don't think has worked especially no. well on the screen here in the last few tries that they've had with it, so maybe this one will come off. I can only hope. We're gonna. We'll see what happens. I. I think I have potential for this movie. Could it spur something better in the GI Joe department? Only if like a Kevin Feige somebody gets in there and takes control and says, "Well, we don't want to make a sugary cereal. Let's make it fun and accessible, but it's got to have a little Richard Donner in there too, where you're playing for stakes." Superman only got campy when Richard Donner got fired. You gotta. You gotta go Superman one. It can't just be a sugar cereal. You want to stick with this date, July 23rd? Are you talking old? Yes, maybe you saw the commercial for it during the Super Bowl, but the new M. Night Shyamalan movie has come upon us, and it is old, which is a really interesting-looking concept here. I mean, I feel like that's been said a lot about M. Night Shyamalan movies in recent years. It's like either, whoa, or it's, whoa, that, that you get here. The problem already is that even just talking, oh, M. Night Shyamalan, hmm, what will the twist be? So you're looking for it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you find out, we've already mentioned spoilers, folks, and this one's old enough. So uh, Bruce Willis is dead through the whole or most of the movie of uh, The Sixth Sense. Well, that's the big one. Well, then there's always been some other kind of a twist. So what is it? You some know? work way better than others, though, too. Maybe the twist is that there won't be a twist and it'll just be a really well done script. And it doesn't rely on some big twist. Maybe that's the twist. Who knows? Well, with this movie, the concept appears to be that on this island, you age quite a bit. And they've got a huge cast then as a result of of many different people who are involved in helping make this be possible. Maybe that's the twist, is that you've got like... uh all these movie magicians that do the makeup work and everyone disappears into the restaurant on the island, but they really go in there not to get fed, but to get made up to look older. Then they come out, I'm older now. That's so, the twist. So anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> that is also on the way. It's, it looks, uh, it looks kind of interesting. Who knows what we're going to get here with, uh, with this one from M night Shyamalan, but old July 23rd. We got a segue back into Disney. A lot of those uh, cartoons that are now being remade live action. The Jungle Cruise. Really good ride to Disney World, by the way. It's the summer of Emily Blunt, Dave. Yep. Yep. But she's a great actress. I love watching her. She's good in everything. From Mary Poppins to uh, uh, the Vanity, what was the, the Devil Wears Prada to A Quiet Place Part 2, which opens this weekend. And she'll be back this summer with a Jungle Cruise. Yeah, and I'm not familiar with the Jungle Cruise story or concept, but like you said, they're adapting this to the screen now. Well, she and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, It's uh, think of it like The African Queen, which is a really great Bogart movie. It's a Disney-fied right, version of that. as a cartoon, and they've got a ride at Disney with World. Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn. Yes, but a little more, you know, far end. So it's right. not quite King Kong, but you're going into the wild, wild jungle on a really cool cruise. So it's a great ride. It's a nice relaxing ride at the, at the theme park. Uh, and with a good cast, it should be fun to watch. I've seen the trailers for it. It does look interesting, does look like it could be good. I think, uh, I think Disney will do fine with this one. I'm still trying to, gra- to grasp the concept of it a little bit here just from looking into it because it looks like it's not just a jungle cruise. It's going to be a cruise kind of trip, it looks like. Yeah. 
All right, we got to jump into August, unless you see something else on the tail end of July. Nope, on we go. All right, so we're moving on to, this could be confusing to to talk about this, because we've already had a movie called Suicide Squad. This is The The Suicide Suicide Squad. Squad. But you know what? Don't let that get you down. There was Alien, and there was Aliens, and back in the day, people had a hard time. Wait, is it the same movie? No, it's plural now. I feel like... I feel like we should emphasize it just how, how we did it. The Suicide Squad is coming out. Soon. The Suicide Squad. Every time we talk about it, it's The Suicide Squad. Not everybody's coming back. Will Smith is not a part of this one, but Margot Robbie has hit it out of the park with her take on Harley Quinn between the first movie and uh, showing up in The Birds of Prey, and now, of course, The Suicide Squad. She's got a thing going with her thick Brooklyn accent, which is funny because she's Australian in real life, and she nails it. Uh, but she's back. Idris Elba, well, John she's Cena. She's really, really good. Stallone is in this one. Stallone? I'm in the Suicide Squad. Well, I'm in the Suicide Squad. This has got a great cast. You've got Jay Courtney. You've got Viola Davis. Uh, I mean, it's got a great cast. They screwed up the first one. Let's just say it what it was. They did not do it any <laughs> services. Hey, some people really enjoyed it. Funny yeah. enough. It won an Oscar, didn't it? It's an Oscar-winning film. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not saying it's completely without merit and without <laughs> without value, but it just, I saw that trailer, I was like, this is going to be good. And then I saw it, and I was, it was like going to see, DC cannot get it right. They just keep screwing it up. Yeah. So we keep saying again and again, well, maybe this is when they'll do it right. Maybe this time. DC will finally start to follow in Marvel's footsteps. Maybe and do releasing it right. a four-hour Zack Snyder cut will make everything right. Well, it made it better, but who's going to sit down? Who has a bladder for that? I don't care if you have a pause button or not. Four-hour movies, someone needs to be slapped. So I don't know how long the Suicide Squad is going to run, but hopefully they have too many cooks. Is what they have. They need somebody with a vision that's a good vision that is not named Zack Snyder. Too many cooks, and they need to move forward, and they need to do it well, and they're running out of chances. At some point, even Batman is going to become a toxic property that nobody wants to touch. So everyone's hoping that Pattinson does well with his version. The so DC could be something people aren't afraid to be a part of anymore. The Suicide Squad. What comes the out in early August? Batman, and it'll be one the of those. Justice League. Yes. We'll see what happens. The Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Maybe we need to change our name. My character will fall off a cliff before the Rick and Nick (laughs) (laughs) come back for some sort of a reboot or whatever it is. No, thank you. What's next on your docket? I'm going down the list here and taking a look. There's a few that are popping up, but one of them is Free Guy that looks really good. This looks like a cross between... a Dudley Do-Right with Deadpool and Ral- Wreck-It Ralph. It might be the summer of Ryan Reynolds, too, Well, apparently. it could be. So Free Guy, Ryan Reynolds is a character in a video game that doesn't understand that he's in a video game. He just thinks it's real world until he realizes that he is just a character in a video game, but he's unable to interact and have people come into the video game from the real world. He's a non-player character in the background of a video game. Yeah, and he's like <laughs> a nobody who becomes a somebody. So it's kind of like a cross between Tron and uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph and yeah. uh, Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell. It looks like a couple of interesting concepts put into a Cuisinart with the wit of Deadpool and it really could be something good. I saw a, fir- a first full proper trailer, and it does look funny as all heck. And Ryan Reynolds, not so acerbic witted as he would be as you know Wade in uh, Deadpool, 
but he's much more fr- much more Canadian, eh? Because he is Canadian, you know. I hope it works. Because I that, think it looks that, good. That's a funny kind of idea for for a movie. So hopefully it comes off all right. A little bit of Ready Player One thrown in there too. It looks yeah. good. It really does yeah. look funny. Ryan Reynolds, uh, from what I'm hearing, is behind the scenes on this one also. So when he's helping to oh, make the okay. movie and not just in it. It's like Steve Martin. He's either in it or he helps to make it, and you could tell the difference. Cool. So this could be good. Free Guy comes out in early August. This is a 20th Century Studios, so it was in development before Disney bought them. Gotcha. So, but I think it's been softened a little bit, but I don't think it needed all that softening because I don't think it's meant to be like Deadpool. So stay tuned. This could be a really good one. Different kind of former 20th Century Fox property. Yeah, big time. Same weekend. Respect. Yes. Yeah, big time uh, with respect there. Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin. uh, It's going to be coming out there that weekend. Jennifer Hudson has an extraordinary voice. Just absolutely incredible. For those playing the home game, she's an American Idol. She was in Showgirls, right? She was in that one, too? She gets the massive task of... Somehow trying to step into the the role of Aretha Franklin, but if there's somebody to do it, I think it's Jennifer Hudson, no doubt about it. I'll tell you what, if for those of you that are young enough, and Aretha, I kind of know the name, but I don't know who she is. She's called the Queen of Soul, like Elvis was the King of Rock and Roll. You don't just get a nickname like that unless you anoint yourself, like Michael Jackson. That was Dream did. Girls, by the way. For, Dream Girls, that's right. For, for Not Show Girls. That's a big difference. My bad. Dream Girls, different movie, way different movie. <laughs> anyway. She had a voice, Aretha Franklin, that was truly mesmerizing. She is darn good. Had an interesting life. We lost her a couple years ago. Great actress uh, with Jennifer Hudson. I think she is probably one of the only people that could really do it justice. This could be a great show. Respect. Now, funny, we have this weekend A Quiet Place Part 2, and then we have Don't Breathe 2. So in one world, it's all quiet, and then Don't Breathe, you're blind, and trying to sneak around the blind guy. So here was another one that was a, a similar concept, but not quite. It's not monsters. It's people breaking into the house of a guy that's blind, but he's not as disabled as you think he is. You know, they say when you lose one sentence, the rest is one sense, the others heighten. Well, this is testament to that. You've got Stephen Lang, who was the bad guy in Avatar. He's been a character actor for a long, long time. Uh, and this was a movie that came out of nowhere. This movie looks stupid. And then they saw it. And you're like, wow, this is actually a really good movie. So is this going to be Speed 2? You can, you can finish that sentence. <laughs> you, you probably can. You know where we're going with that one. Exactly. Yep. All right. Any others in August that are, that are catching your attention, Dave? I'm interested in Reminiscence. I don't know a lot about it, but Hugh Jackman is in that one. Uh, Lisa Joyce, so you get a gal director. Rebecca Ferguson, Thandi Newton. Uh, it's got a good cast. I don't know a lot about what it is, but with this, with the talent surrounding it, and a lot of movies that have been made are, have been kind of quiet. It's not like they're hyping them like they have in the past because of everything that's going on, but just be aware of Resurgence, scheduled for uh, mid-August, Could be something very, very interesting. Reminiscence. Reminiscence. My bad. My bad. Well, I'm already screwing up titles now. I mixed up Dreamgirls and Showgirls, which is a crime. (laughs) My bad. So we got a couple other good movies coming up here that are are interesting. Like for the kids, my kid, the Paw Patrol movie. Yes. You know, that's one that I don't know if it's going to be any good or not. I don't know if any adults are going to like it at all. But this does look good, and I don't want to miss it. Uh, Samely for the for the sake of my kiddo, right? Have you ever watched The Simpsons where Homer made Bart miss 
uh, the Itchy and Scratchy movie. Oh, man. I'm not going to let yep. my kid miss Paw Patrol movie. This is right. his big thing. I don't care if it's Barney. I hate Barney with a passion, but if my kid loved him, I'll be going to Barney. If you're looking for an assassin hitman kind of concept, that's where the protege might yes, intrigue you. Especially, especially if you are a Maggie Q fan, because she is at the center of this project. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is once again uh, appearing here in another movie this summer, too. Maybe it's the summer of Samuel L. Jackson. Who knows? Well, here's another thing to think about that. The director of that movie, Mark And Michael Campbell, Keaton's in it, too. Michael Keaton. This is a guy that's going to be circling the Oscar again before you know. He will win an Oscar before he passes into the retirement. But Martin Campbell directs this movie. He's done two Bond movies, two of the better Bond movies, The Mask of Zorro. What he touches is good. He finds a way to make good material great. Um, so whatever's going to come from the protege, great talent in front of and behind the camera with Maggie Q and Michael Keaton, Samuel L. Jackson, look for this one mid or late August now, right around the 20th. I think it is looks really, really good. There's a couple others that are coming up like Candyman that look kind of interesting here. Uh, I'm not sure what to, what to make of it. It's got a very eclectic cast, but that's going to be coming up from Universal. Uh, it's one of those where I don't know enough about it, but I'm interested in what's going to come out of it. Uh, it's been kind of quiet around it, but be aware, Candyman, you might want to just keep it on your radar just a little bit. And then that same weekend, Peter Jackson has had an interesting turn in his career, Dave, where he has really gotten into documentaries and focusing on that. Um, after all of his uh, all of his attention that he got for doing the Lord of the Rings, yep. then he does King Kong. He's really had an interesting change here in recent years where he's gone into the documentary route. They Shall Not Grow Old was, was very, very successful, um, where he restored to full color um, World War One images uh, just uh, just a couple of years ago. I think that was maybe about two years ago. And I've never um, seen a picture from World War One that looked like actual life. It just is too grainy, I guess. Right, photog- but it looks it brought it to life. He, literally, he restored it incredibly. Now his latest documentary project is one centered around the Beatles, and this is the Beatles yeah. Get Back, and this is uh, focusing on unreleased documentary footage of when the Beatles were preparing for the release of Let It Be, and we're working on that. The end of the Beatles. Yeah, toward the end of that time. So I think there will be some intrigue there, as well as just the recent recent success that he's had in the documentary realm. This is something that is a really interesting time. It's always been one of those points of, you know, chit-chat, who broke up the Beatles and when, you know, and even the remaining Beatles. Was it Yoko? Well, it was John Lennon who left the band because of Yoko things, but I mean... So was it Yoko? Yeah. Yeah, it was. (laughs) You know, this was an interesting time, and when the Beatles broke up, would be like when One Direction broke up, except the Beatles meant it, and they really never got back together. Not really, because they did work on one another's projects. In fact, Ringo Starr put on an album in 73 that featured all of the Beatles, but not together. So, in fact, they all show up even on either other people's album covers, maybe blurry, but they're there. So they broke up, but they didn't break up. But that was traumatic for a lot of fans when the Beatles were the thing. Right. And the Beatles were before my time, but I love the Beatles. You know who could have reunited them? Paul's very clean grandfather. I'm sure he would have been the one to reunite them if they would have ever reunited. You don't don't get the reference, do you? Well, I kind of do. So (laughs) Hard Day's Night. Yes. Great, so, great movie. True story, actually. Lennon and McCartney kind of patched up their differences, and they were buddies before Lennon got shot. On Saturday Night Live, uh, shortly before he got shot, like in the late 70s, early 80s, 
Lorne Michaels went on and offered $20 for the Beatles to reunite, and Lennon and McCartney were actually hanging out at the time watching it down the street at Lennon's apartment, which is just down from 30 Rock. They almost got in the car, the two of them. The other two were not there and almost made it down to the studio. That would have happened. And something happened. I got to get up early tomorrow, and it didn't happen, but it almost did. McCartney has told the story a few times. This documentary will be an interesting one. So Yeah. Yeah. Especially we, given the time frame that it's it's set in. Yeah. Yes. So then we come to the end of the summer. We jump into early September, Labor Day weekend, but we're getting the return of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, we already have Black Widow coming out. The teaser trailer for The Eternals has just come out. Well, now you've got... The Ten Rings is coming out. This is a very interesting one. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is starting to move forward. Now, if, if Black Widow is sort of a prequel, because Black Widow didn't make it out of the last Avengers movie, this is going to be, in a lot of ways, the first steps forward post-Avengers Endgame, which, was that two years ago? That that came out? 2019? Isn't that when that came out? So it's been two years now without a Marvel movie, really, and we're yeah, it has gonna, been two years. I had to think about that for a second. So like, we're finally moving forward. The Ten Rings, here we go. And they got into some issues when Doctor Strange came out. They'd whitewashed the cast. This one, they're not. It's a very eclectic, very Asian cast, which is getting a lot of applause. Uh, early good buzz, but it's a little too early to know for sure. But right now, people that are fans of the comic book genre that have been going through this, looking for escapism, they want more of the MCU so here we go, phase four of the MCU. We're done with the Infinity Saga. What might we possibly be building to? And the way they did it last year, what were there like 24 movies in the first the Infinity Saga? Went for 10 years before they got to Endgame. Who knows what's going to happen in 3021? Who knows? 3021? from now. Oh, my I carried word. the wrong one. So when 2031 <laughs> comes around, maybe we'll get to Avengers Endgame 2. But this You're might not be the totally first step. Far fetched there, Dave. The whole new millennium. So here we go. We'll see what uh, the Ten Rings is going to bring forward to that and the Eternals. But we're starting to move forward. Yeah, indeed. You're already plotting the next 100 years of Marvel movies. Well, I might need to reserve a seat. I just want to plan ahead. I got That's my true. ice reserved for my Y2K party in '97. You, yeah, you're res- you're reserving your seat for your hologram viewing of the next uh, the the marvel film that they've got planned for 3021 well we're going to find out that the side effect for the vaccine makes us immortal so that's the real problem is overpopulation so make your reservations for 3021 oh my (laughs) that's quite a side effect so there you go that is uh that is the slate for what's coming up here the next few months again it doesn't feel like there are a ton of tentpole movies out there but dave there are enough tentpole movies at the same time that you start to get the feeling of we're coming back a bit. If these dates hold, if everything holds, we've got a shot here at, at really starting to see the the cycle get churning again as far as as these um, the movie calendar starting to get rolling. You have a couple of Marvel movies that right there would I would think qualify it enough as a couple of tent poles, including uh, Black Widow finally coming out. You've got the Ten Rings we just talked about, uh, even some of the good comedies, and you have Fast Nine, which was supposed to be a tent pole movie for last year. I think that counts. But Top Gun Maverick, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I'm sure there's some others. I don't think Bond was ever slated for summer. I think that was either spring or fall. Um, so a couple have been moved out. Yes, they're coming. Um, they might not be summer movies anymore, but I think for all things considered, 
it's a decent looking summer schedule. Obviously, I've seen bigger and better, but you know, I don't care about bigger. I just want better. So if you've got some good movies, I think there's a couple of great surprises in there. I think there's a couple that are people looking forward to, but may not live up to the hype. Like every season seems to be that happens, but like that's that's just the name of the game. Bunch of sequels. Well, some franchise ones. Maybe this will be where F nine finally jumps it. Who knows? They might be going into space this time around too. No, that's a Jason movie. They might actually go into space with they this might, one. I wouldn't doubt it. Just so you could hear the rocks. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Houston, you have a problem. Yeah. Wait, The Rock or Vin Diesel? Take your pick. Anyway, he'll, he'll probably be sipping a Corona up there as yeah. well. I'm going to have my Corona up There's, there's in no space. gravity in family, space. How does he sip a Corona? Family, Corona's space. <laughs> Rick and Nick Talk Flix is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. All right, the schedule is there. Make your plans maybe. accordingly. Yeah, maybe, maybe, fingers crossed. Again, this is a podcast, but fingers crossed on that one. Uh, we're going to hope that, go, that that's going to get things rolling. Go back to our spring preview for 2020. That, about a week after we recorded it, was completely obsolete because that's when everything shut down. But we left that episode up as a snapshot. Um, and this might turn out to be that, too. Maybe the summer doesn't happen, and this is a snapshot of the optimism we were feeling before... <laughs> Or it happens. Speaking of optimism, these films have been on the shelf so long now, Dave, they better be great because you've had a ton of time in the editing room. You've had a ton of time to work on things. I am expecting very good for these films. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Plus, it's only the box office. You know, they've been hurting for a year plus. Yeah. So they need a good shot in the arm and a summer movie box office. Kids are earning money mowing lawns. Now they got to spend it on comic books and movies. Now is a good time for it. So let's hope for good things. And again, even if you're not feeling completely comfortable about going to a movie, I understand. Go to support your theater. Go to the snack bar. Go get yourself some drinks, some popcorn, some ices, whatever. Great way to cool down. Even if you're going to have movie, how, a movie night back at the house, get authentic, good movie stuff from the movie theater. That supports them more than tickets do, quite honestly. The tickets support Hollywood, but if you want to support your local theater, go to the snack bar. That supports them. Right on. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies. <laughs>